Welcome to the Dollars and Dumbbells podcast. I'm your host, Justin Green, a certified financial planner who specializes in helping fitness entrepreneurs and millennials grow their net worth. The goal is to bring you conversations with successful individuals in the fitness industry on how they navigated their journey to success. Justin Green is the founder and financial planner at AssistFP, a financial planning firm. All opinions expressed in this show are solely those of Justin and not reflective of AssistFP. This podcast should not be considered advice. It is solely for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisor you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. Welcome back to the show. I'm Justin Green, your host. Today, I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Matthew Allen. Matthew is a business coach for health and fitness coaches. He started as a civil engineer in New York City and decided that he wanted to bike across the United States. So he left to do that. When he came back, he realized, hey, maybe I don't want to sit in a cubicle for the rest of my life. Moved halfway across the country to Denver and got involved in the CrossFit space. He was doing photography and also uh, fitness coaching on the side. When the pandemic hit, that kind of put an end to the CrossFit photography business, and he decided to start helping other health and fitness coaches go online and create their first four-figure offer. Without further ado, let's dive into an amazing conversation with Matthew Allen. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Justin. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you tell the audience real quick, where are you calling in from, Matt? I am in Denver, Colorado. Cool. And is it Matt or Matthew? whatever matt's good matt's good matt's okay fine. cool yeah all right why don't you give everyone a little bit of a brief uh background who you are what you do and how you got there yeah so i'm sure we can get into my my story a bit but right now i am leadership business coach for wellness coaches really helping them start the online business uh by developing their four-figure offer i know for me when i was a personal trainer <clears throat> i always wanted to provide more to my clients for me, fitness wasn't enough. Fitness alone isn't what changed my life. It was the nutrition. It was my mindset. It was recovery. It was all these things. And just the way I think a lot of us, especially the personal trainers, are indoctrinated into this world is like you just give fitness and you're just kind of a personal trainer. Or maybe there's nutrition coaches or you just do one thing. Um, but really, you're. I know, again, for me, when I had my clients in person, uh, personalized programming, right? They would get stronger, they would lose some weight, but there'd still be a missing piece. They're still not losing all the weight they want. It's because they're going home. They don't, you know, they're drinking a bottle of wine every night, uh, you know, and their mindset's off and all this stuff. So I never really knew how to provide that service. Um, so that's really what I want to offer to other personal trainers now is to really pull out all the information you have. I believe you don't need the nutrition certification to teach nutrition, right? All that stuff. So pull out all the information, Developing a four-figure offer and get your first five, ten high-ticket clients—you know, two, three, four thousand dollars—and that way you really gain mastery in your craft, and then you can go and scale the business from there. Cool. So, why did you pivot from being a personal trainer yourself to coaching other personal trainers? And are you working with a lot of like in-person trainers or online or both? Yeah. So, to answer your first question, uh, if I knew what I knew now, I would probably still be a personal trainer. Uh, but at the time when I, and part of my story, right, quitting corporate, civil engineer, leaving New York City, moving to Colorado, which I'd love to get into that story. Um, 
going all into my passion in, in fitness and personal training. I've been working out since I was 14 and I've had, I've done a lot of different stuff in the fitness world. And so finally just going all into my passion. And again, kind of what, what I prefaced this was, was like, I wasn't falling in love with it the way I thought I would once I did it full time. And, and sure it was hard financially. Um, but it, I wanted to give back more. And also at the time I was a photographer and I was really falling in love with that side of things. And I'm very much the person to, uh, I've kind of dealt with this problem for a lot of my life where you feel like you should be one thing your whole life, right? I thought I was supposed to be a civil engineer my whole life till I'm 65 and retire. Uh, once I broke that mold, I've really been leaning into doing what feels best for me. And, but also going all in on it, not just trying things for a little bit. Oh, they're hard. Let me try a new thing. I think that's also dangerous, but I fell in love with photography and I started doing, um, CrossFit photography and I was going to become the CrossFit photographer of Colorado and it was going really well. And I shot at Wadapalooza, if you know that, you know, really popular competition. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I was shooting a lot of competitions here in Colorado. And then of course COVID happened mm -hmm. and everything got, and meanwhile, I was still personal training and CrossFit coaching as well. Um, but when COVID happened, you know, the gym shut down, I lost all my personal training clients. I lost all my photography clients. And that was kind of the shift of like, okay, now what? And I kind of had, I still loved fitness, but I didn't love how I was coaching it. And then I, through photography, I was learning about branding. I was learning that, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I need to learn how to be a salesman. I need to learn how to charge what I'm worth. All of that stuff kind of combined those two passions. And that's when I developed my online program to help personal trainers develop their four-figure offer and, and lean into entrepreneurship and lean into that leadership. Cool. So a little bit of COVID kind of pushed you that way. It sounds like it. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 All right. Let's back it up a little bit. So you were in, uh, you kind of started in New York city as a civil engineer and, uh, what, so what's wrong with, you know, working for 45 years and then retiring at 65. That sounds pretty painful to me. Uh, dude. Yeah. That, that was just it, man. I, I, I would just sit in my office and, you know, half the time I am researching or looking up like, working out and better ways to be a better coach and fitness stuff and nutrition stuff. And so I'd like get my work done, you know, the first four hours of the day and then spend, or like on and off, right. Spend the rest of my day researching the thing that I truly loved. And it was just that reflection of like, what am I doing here? Like who, whose life am I living? Who said I'm supposed to be an engineer? Why, why do I need to save up money and, and maybe retire at 65, hopefully earlier if my investments do well. And, and then I can do what I want. Like that is absurd to me. And I was kind of having this quarter life crisis. And through that, I didn't just immediately lean into being a personal trainer, but it was something that I loved. but I was biking to work every day and I was loving that. And I used to bike when I was a kid. So I was really loving the time on the bike um, and kind of incorporating that into my fitness. And then after work, it'd be like 20 miles. Okay, let's ride 30 miles. Let's ride 40 miles. One day I rode 100 miles. And then I'm like, well, what's next? And it was kind of in combination with this biking and this quarter life crisis of like, I need to do something remarkable with my life because I'm dating this girl for three years. We're going to move in. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids. I climbed the corporate ladder. I moved to the suburbs. I grew up in Connecticut. So I moved to the suburbs of New York City. And then like, oh my God, all of a sudden I'm 60 and I didn't do anything spectacular with my life. Uh, and while some people could consider civil engineering in New York City really great, and I worked on some amazing projects, it wasn't the right fit for me, but I didn't know what was. So 
yeah, so kind of these two thoughts in mind, I was like, I'm going to ride my bike across America and kind of made that decision. Um, again, not really knowing, I'm like, I don't know if this will solve anything. I just know I need to do something like remarkable for myself. Yeah, that does sound like a quarter life crisis. So you hopped on the <laughs> bike and, and you actually did it. You fall through that. Yeah, kind of had that thought somewhere in probably fall 2015. Um, researched, got all the equipment, new bike, you know, all this stuff. Um, planned out the first two weeks of the trip. And then June 20th, 2016, I took off, dipped my back wheel in the Atlantic Ocean in Coney Island, New York. And 90 days, 5,019 miles later, I was in Seaside, Oregon, dipping my front wheel in the uh, Pacific. Wow. I was gonna, I was just going to ask how long that took you. So 90 days, that's that's crazy. But you probably learned, I mean, that's a lot of time to think when you're on the bike uh, for 90 days. You probably learned a lot about yourself and a lot about what you wanted to do moving forward, huh? Yeah, definitely. And the, the biggest thing, I mean, there's a lot of moments. There's two big moments for me. Um, that I always think about in reflection. One was the very beginning of the trip, about two weeks in roughly, uh, maybe a little less than that. I was headed out of Shenandoah Park in Virginia and I naively was like, okay, I'm out of Shenandoah Park, the hill, there's no more hills now. I don't know what I was thinking. And then I leave the park and of course there's this like long straightaway stretch of this giant hill and I'm like, fuck. And my bike is over a hundred pounds. Uh, I ended up sending stuff home, so it got lighter throughout the trip. But at that time, it was over 100 pounds of going up these big hills in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I'm like, you know, it, I'm not going to quit. But it wouldn't be the worst thing if a, <laughs> if, a, if a truck hit me and I woke up in the hospital and, like, I, I'd be okay. But, you know, then I wouldn't have to finish this because it was just so painful. It was so hard. But mm -hmm. that didn't happen, obviously. And... Yeah, and that reflection on that trip, I'm like, this is this happens in so much of life. Like, this is all of our life. When we do something new, there's this sticking point. A lot of people quit before they get past the sticking point. For the bike trip, it happened to be those, whatever, two weeks. Uh, I'm wearing my CrossFit shirt, right? When I started CrossFit, it was like four months until, not that I was great at CrossFit, but I started getting to a groove. Social media, people are like, I'm not a social media person. It's like, well, you never, you haven't really tried it. You haven't gotten good at it yet. You haven't been able to do it long enough to even make that decision. And so that was a cool reflection where any time I try something new and I'm like, I just start falling in love with it. Cause I'm like, this is great. I'm new at it. Of course I suck at it, but eventually I'm going to break through and I'm going to start getting good at this. Um, so that was a cool reflection. And then the other big thing was finishing the trip, um, getting to the end. And it's like the old cliche, it's the journey, not the destination. I didn't get to the end of the bike trip and go like, cool. Now I can like hang a sign on my wall that says I rode my bike cross country. Like, no, that's not why I did it. It was the journey of, like you said, like really finding myself and uncovering um, what this life's all about. And so at the end, I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I'm going to go back to New York City and be a civil engineer for the next four years. I'm just back where I started. Like, I can't let this happen. So for me, so originally was really... that was the plan when you left like on that trip, like the plan was come back to New York city. Yeah. So I actually talked to my boss and, uh, oh, wow. I, I didn't read the handbook, but apparently you're allowed to take like a leave of absence. It's unpaid. Yeah. Um, but you're allowed to leave and come back. So I was gonna, yeah, come back to New York city and keep working. And I just had that dread again. I was like, Oh no. Like I just experienced 90 days, the best summer of my fucking life. 
And now I'm going to go back and be an engineer and like work for the weekends. And, you know, Sunday scaries, Monday blues, screaming hump day, you know, down the hallway and thanking God for Fridays. I'm like, it's not supposed to be our life. So really it was like 2016. I'm like, all right, I'm on the mission of daily happiness. And I'm not still not totally sure what that means right now, but that's what I'm seeking. Yeah, I can't imagine um, riding my bikes throughout like the country land of, of America and then going back to New York City. <laughs> like that just mm. sounds terrible to me. You know, my my wife, we did travel nurse. She did travel nurse and I tagged along with her all last mm. year. And so we did a lot of road trips. You know, thank God we were sitting in a car with some AC and, you know, not on a bike. But, you know, you see all those, you know, just wide open back roads and see how beautiful it is and i i couldn't imagine after biking through uh those areas for 90 days just going back to new york city that would be like culture shock all over again but i am curious so you know you talked about how like you know th this stigma of like you know just saving and investing and then retiring at 65 uh but it sounds like you know and you correct me if i'm wrong you must have been doing that which allowed you the financial flexibility to kind of chase that that I don't know if I call it a dream, as you said, it was more of a midlife crisis. But then after that, you had the dream of pivoting. I would call that the dream. <laughs> you kind of figured out the dream on the ride. Yeah, yeah. So, so two two parts of that. Um, the first thing was, yeah, like my mission in life was to save money so I could retire earlier. Like that's what I thought about. And very hard to do in New York City when rent is yep. insane, and we go and you go out every weekend and spend a lot on fifteen dollar drinks and eating out a lot. Um, but I was frugal in every other area of my life, trying to save money, making sure that, you know, that money was pulled out from the paycheck immediately. And I maxed out my 401k and all of that stuff, you know, I was working on, um, obviously I wouldn't be able to withdraw from my 401k, but I was having other investments too. Uh, the second part of it was I did win me and some friends went in on this, this baseball betting thing and we ended up winning over $50,000. So it was like about oh, wow. 14000 yeah, 14 grand of cash. Uh, don't tell the IRS. Uh, I also probably shouldn't just say that <laughs> on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, that allowed me to definitely have that cushion of savings to uh, for that summer. Be like, cool, I have this money um, and I can use that to right, buy the bike, buy all the equipment uh, and take this time off. Interesting. Okay. So I'm curious, are you, uh, nowadays, are you still motivated to save and invest? But is it, and the reason I'm asking is because, you know, I emphasize financial flexibility a lot because I think the idea for our generation of, um, saving and investing for retirement is like daunting as you express, like, it's like, wow, what am I doing? But when you reframe it and you're like, oh, I'm saving and investing. So I have the flexibility to pursue opportunities such as biking across the, the country uh, for 90 days or moving to Colorado and completely, you know, switching careers or, you know, pivoting during COVID from being a photographer to now coaching coaches. Uh, I'm just curious, like, do you still do all those things, but you just kind of reframed it mentally or have you just been like, no, YOLO, I'm going after it. Yeah, I mean, when I quit engineering and moved to Colorado to pursue my passion in personal training, I went from, you know, 85k a year with all the health benefits and all that stuff to 2000 a month. Yep, maybe, right? And um that was tough, but I mean, for one thing, I I was never happier. Right? Mm -hmm. From making that move, being in a state that I love, being able to be outdoors more, 
uh, pursuing my passion, like all that was great. I was motivated. I was excited to wake up every day. That that's me meant more than anything. On top of that, I've learned you do spend what you have. So there was no more going out and, and partying in the city and all that stuff. Uh, I was spending more time out in the wilderness, which is free mm-hmm. uh, besides gas to get there. So yeah, so to answer your question, like that was a hard start, right? Getting started in, in a personal training, not making enough money. There was no savings. I was burning through um, the cash that I had saved to make that move. Um, but now with more income coming in, um, it's definitely, yeah, it's a different focus for sure. It's not saving to retire because I am doing what I love. So I want, I would rather have more money to continue to, uh, there's kind of different parts of it, right? One to invest in my business, whether that's Mm -hmm. a new course or program or hiring an employee or a video editor. Um, the other part is saving money for that longer term. If it's a house in the future or, you know, for bigger expenses. And then it's having that savings of cash to, to take vacations, to buy the snowboard pass, to buy a mountain bike if I want to. Yeah, absolutely. What I hear there is, you know, short and midterm goals. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. And I just think it's valuable for people to understand that savings important and it doesn't have to always just be for this like 45 year old, 45 year goal of just like retiring. I think as entrepreneurs, we're more interested in kind of like stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, pivoting. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually you will slow down. Like you need to save for your future because eventually people do slow down. We get old. Uh, we want to spend time with grandkids, et cetera. And so you have to balance that. But if you don't figure out like what makes you happy and if you don't use money as a tool to then fuel that happiness, then constantly chasing more money and saving for no reason will you'll find yourself biking across the country for nine days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny. You kind of hit a breaking point. That was kind of my breaking point to like, I got to do something. Um, but it's all, it's all a beautiful part of the journey and learning that, um, you know, climbing the corporate ladders, having the most money or the nice house, like a lot of that stuff didn't matter to me. It was being more present. And when I was in New York, there was no short-term midterm goal. It was just like, Safe for retirement, you know, because I just wanted to escape so badly. But now it's about enjoying the life that I have, right? I, my friend had a great quote, you know, a few weeks ago, and he's like, "Don't get so busy building your dream life that you forget to enjoy it," mm-hmm. right? I like and that. I think we we find ourselves in that a lot, a lot of the times where we're building, 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 and it's like, "Whoa, slow down!" Like life is happening right now, and uh, it's funny. I was running just yesterday, and was hearing some crickets and I didn't feel like running. So I just stopped and I sat down and it was just like, all of a sudden the crickets threw me back to Connecticut and being in my backyard playing as a kid. And I was like, damn, it'd be so nice to be, you know, like 12 years old, not a care in the world, being taken care of by my family and fed by my family and loved by them. And all I had to do was like spend summer playing sports and it was so carefree and beautiful. And it was just a nice reflection to be like, yeah, you, you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. So like, make sure you're still doing that today as I think it's like end of August. Oh no, winter's coming and I love summer. So it's just, just a reminder to like, you know, put the work down, right? We get to our deathbed. We're not going to regret the email we didn't send or the, the podcast. Oh, I should do podcast three times a week. It's like, all right, well, maybe you should get back into more of that play and more of what fills you up and makes you happy. And I truly believe that the happier I am, the more successful I'll be. And that radiates through the rest of my life. 
Yeah, you know, you kind of hit on a topic. I actually see this quite a bit in the fitness industry is I see a lot of coaches who um, they grow for the sake of growing, like they're hyper focused on growth. But I'm not sure that some of them have really stepped back to figure out why they're growing. And so when you do that, you just you find yourself on this like treadmill of I need to grow to support like the spending that I'm doing on the business to grow. And like, you just keep going around and around and around. You never actually like step back to, to your point to say like, wow, this is like, I've built like something pretty incredible here. And it gives me the, you know, affords me the opportunity to live my dream life. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's just this so focused on this like hyper growth that they don't ever step back and kind of take a look and be like, wow, like this is amazing what I've done here. Yeah, I think there's two good points there where it's one, it's like, yeah, to like, uh, same good friend who mentioned that quote has taught me like these rewinds, one year rewind, two year, three or five year rewind. Take a look back where you were and see how far you've come, right? Kind of like a little bit of the gratitude, but really celebrating your wins, all the wins, the big wins, the small wins, really reflecting on that and, uh, you know, giving yourself some credit and being proud of yourself for the things you've done. Uh, But another thing I think that's really powerful for entrepreneurs especially especially the fitness coaches who are like will push through will grind right we have that kind of mentality right pushing for that last rep because that's where the growth is so we have that mentality of going all in on our business and i learned from a mentor of mine that i was finding myself codependent on my business right so what that means is finding your needs or satisfying your needs through your business Similarly, like you would be codependent in a relationship, right? If I don't have my partner, like I'm not happy. If they're not happy, I'm not happy. Like, no, you got to be happy on your own. Same thing with your business. If you're trying to fulfill your needs through your business, you're, it's going to lead to unhappiness. It's not a healthy relationship with your business. So to really identify those needs. And like for me, you know, one big thing was like physical challenges or just challenges in general. And I found myself constantly challenging myself in my business, trying to go, trying to push the edge, trying to X, Y, Z, right? And never really being fulfilled by that, right? Always wanting more. So once I recognize that, taking a step back and be like, where else do I love challenging myself? Well, I love challenging myself physically. And so I signed up for a 40 mile ultra trail run here in Colorado. And training for that has been mentally challenging. It's been physically challenging. It's been so great to close the computer and go out and pursue this other venture in my life. Um, Another thing for me was creativity, which actually I recently kind of learned for myself and trying to satisfy that need of creativity in my business, like making reels or developing a new product or all this stuff. And it's like, oh, it's just so much work compared to I can go pick up my guitar and learn a new song or, or play or Uh, I just recently finished co-authoring a book. So I wrote a chapter about my story and I got to do it by creatively writing and Mm -hmm. telling my story and using metaphors and stuff like that. So that was really fun to be creative in that way. And so for people listening, like if you find yourself right constantly in the business, pushing, pushing and and never taking that step back to reflect, um, you're just going to find yourself burnt out, worn out, always, always pushing, always searching for the next thing and never being satisfied compared to stepping back and being like, where else in life outside of my business can I be fulfilled? Where can my needs be met? And yeah, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's attention. Attention is not a bad thing. That's another one of mine. So it's like, 
maybe picking up that guitar and doing an open mic night, even though I suck at singing, singing, right? I would definitely get attention through that or, or trying, uh, trying to do some stand-up comedy, something like that, where just reflecting on where can I get this outside of my business? And it's not always so like, what's in it for me and how can my business grow from this? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think now is probably a good time to kind of pivot back. I want to talk about you. You brought up the four figure offers earlier. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about like, what does that mean? And what was the struggle that you saw coaches were having? Yeah. So really from like for me and I believe every coach, they're just the evolved version of their niche. So whatever you're coaching with, especially personal trainers, right? You're just helping yourself two, three, five, ten 10 years ago. And so, like I said earlier at the start of the podcast, I had no conviction in my offer. So when I would go down and sit down to sell with someone and the gym, you know, the gym gave me the offer. So it's like a, I don't remember what it was, a 16 pack for two grand. And I would sit there and I'd try to sell someone, Hey, you're going to get personalized programming and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, we're going to hit your goals. And I didn't really believe it because it's not just fitness. That's going to help you hit your goals or really change the life that in a way that you want it to be changed, right? Like I said, it, you also need nutrition help. You also need mindset help, right? Most people, uh, the, the personal trainers will appreciate this, right? Most people know they need to work out more and eat healthier, right? Most of our clients know that. So you go to google.com, you can get any fitness plan, you can get any nutrition plan you want, yet there's still 100 million overweight people in America. So it's not really just the education, the how-to that people need. It is helping clear blocks. It is helping them take the steps to do the thing. And yeah, part of when I was an in-person coach, cool, they have accountability because they, they're financially committed and they have the accountability of coming into the gym to see me, um, right? That's the accountability. But then there's no more accountability outside the gym. And I wasn't providing that. I wasn't offering that to people. It was just come to the gym, here's our program. I'm gonna you know, correct your movement and fucking count your reps and clap for you. whoop de doo And then you leave the gym, nothing changes. So going back to the point of like, I had no conviction in my offer. So when, when I would sell these 16 packs for two grand, people are like, oh, it's a lot of money. I'm like, yep, it is. Like, okay, like I get it. And then I don't That's make the what sale. I'm making a month right now. Like it's a lot <laughs> yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh fuck, that is a lot of money. I could, I could really use that. And you know, just the whole mindset around it was, was, the, was so wrong. Um, compared to selling, let's say for, you know, cause I help coaches get online. It's a $2,000 offer for three months and you're teaching them how to live a healthy life on their own. doesn't mean they have to be a personal trainer, know how to program, but they could go into the gym confidently and work out and stay consistent. They can make healthy food choices. They have a better mindset around, you know, instead of falling off for two months and getting the weight back. They can get back on the horse a little quicker because we all fall off, right? But it's really having this full on offer because again, if you just give someone fitness, well, is just fitness how you live a healthy and wealthy lifestyle? No, it's not. You also eat well, right? You also have good, good habits uh, with your recovery, with drinking plenty of water and uh, probably a better mindset than most people, right? You go to the gym even when you don't want to. So there's something there. There's a mindset shift there that you've made to consistently show up in the gym that your cl client doesn't have. That can be taught, right? And that's what I love helping people with is also becoming a world-class coach. How do we teach the things that we do so well? 
And so to kind of summarize that, it's like, yes, we, you can't be giving your client 20% of the puzzle. They need everything to create a healthy, wealthy lifestyle. And I think the best coaches are the ones that don't have clients for 10 years, month, monthly programming for the next 10 years. Is that your plan for your client until they die or, or quit? No, I would rather them pay me a substantial amount of money. So they're financially committed. I go all in on them. And now they have all the tools to live a healthy life without me. Cause you've empowered them to kind of take over on their own. Like you've given exactly. them everything they need where eventually they quote unquote graduate from needing you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the cool thing about like business, I mean, there are no rules, but you can always keep them on. Right. So you can make your $2,000, $3,000 up front, take them through three months of this intensive programming, change their life and then say, Hey, you know, most people like the accountability. So why don't we, for 200 bucks a month, we'll do a monthly check-in call and I'll keep programming for you mm -hmm. or whatever, or, you know, some kind of chat support or whatever. So you can continue, right? Get, this is what I help people with, right? Get your five, 10 clients, make your 10, 20 grand, right? Finally, compared to the two grand I was making a month, go all in on your clients, feel really good about the work you're doing. And then at the very end, you sell them into this recurring program and then you put them into a group. Now those 10 clients, or maybe you sell whatever, eight, 50% of them. So those five clients are now working with you monthly at 200 bucks. That's what was my math there? 200 times five thousand bucks a month. <laughs> you, you keep bringing people into your high ticket offer. You keep funneling them into the monthly programming and then you slowly build that. So now you have recurring revenue, but the problem is most people want to start with this group program or they want to start, uh, doing less work, right? Because I, especially personal traders have been working their asses off so much. They want to work less. Um, but there needs to be this starting of gaining the mastery in your craft. So if you've just been coaching fitness, you need to get better at nutrition coaching and recovery coaching and helping people with mindset. You need to work one-on-one -on -one with people to gain the mastery in your craft so that you can support people better in a group setting. Yeah, absolutely. You talked earlier, kind of, you help people start going online. At this point, is anyone hesitant to go online? I just feel like it's 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 um, it's so obvious how how much you can scale online compared to in person. I know some people I will hear a lot like I just really enjoy the in person training, which is totally fine. Doesn't mean you have to give it up completely, but like you should also be online. Do you ever get any hesitation anymore of like going online? No, I don't. And okay. just like you said, there's there's only the little bit of like. Well, I still want to, you know, coach people because I just love it. And I'm like, sure, soon enough, you will stop, probably stop saying that. But <laughs> see how good this but, online thing is. Yeah. Talk yeah. To me in three months <laughs> and realize that you can change people's lives and you can create connection with people. Like it's still all there online and it's yeah, a beautiful absolutely. thing. Mm -hmm. um, but what I teach the high ticket offer, like you should be selling your in-person clients this thing because it's the same idea. I know you need more than fitness. So, hey do my, you know, online program, you're going to have these educational videos and whatnot, but yeah, we can also meet in person, but that'll be a little bit more. If your online program's two grand, you want to meet in person? Well, calculate whatever your hourly rate is and just add that flat rate for the next six months. And now that offers $4,000. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason to not have some sort of online offer. Absolutely. When, when you're, when you're trying to get coaches to go online, is, you know, what are some of the points that you emphasize? Are you, are you emphasizing finding a niche? Um, 
are you are you wanting them to hop on you know instagram and start dancing to the music like you know what do you <laughs> what do you get uh what are you preaching to them to kind of help them start the online side of their business yeah if you follow my instagram um the only way you can get clients is to dance that's it you gotta be a dancer <laughs> now i don't fucking dance i i'm a terrible i'll dance ironically because i'm just classic white boy don't know how to dance um and uh you know i just like to have fun with it but no not hardly any of my content's dancing but yeah i i encourage you of course to get on social media you got a billion people at your disposal right and of course yes well we could talk about niche down in a second but it, it it's crazy to me that people go i'm not a social media person it's like you have this free app where you can reach yourself four or five years ago wouldn't it be incredible if you were on the other side of that app, seeing you talk about how you can help them and speed up and get out of their suffering and pain faster by working with you? Wouldn't you want to work with yourself? You know, and it's like, it's just crazy to me that people wouldn't want that, that easy. It's, it's your marketing, right? Imagine if Nike, Apple were like, no, no, we're not going to, we're not really a marketing company. We're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> people will just find us because we're the best. We have the best computer. People will just find us, right? Oh, our shoes, Nike's best shoes. People will just find us in the store. Like, no, of course, those, the best companies market themselves. So why do you think you're above that or it's not a good fit for you? It's kind of silly. And I just think people just, again, it's just really some crap story they're telling themselves like I have to dance or I'm not comfortable in front of the camera or whatever that is. And it just takes some reframing. Um, but I've helped all my clients get comfortable with content and do it in a way that feels good to them. Cause yeah, if you dance, dance, like I would encourage that. If you're a good dancer, get after it. And it's probably fun for you. If you're not, don't do it because it doesn't feel good. All right. As far as the niching down goes, I think we've been taught niching down completely wrong. And that's also what keeps people struggling to consistently show up on social media, right? We've been taught to make up this perfect person and what are their demographics, which is like where they're from, how much money they make, their race, their age, all that stuff. And then their psychographics, what are their beliefs and you know, what are their values and all that stuff. And you make this thing, whole thing up. And then you think about their pain points and struggles and then it's all just made up. And it's like, you just struggle coming up with content for a made up person. When in reality, you're the niche. And to go one step deeper, the problem you solve is your niche. So my favorite example is knees over toes guy. If you're a personal trainer and you don't follow knees over toes guy, I don't know what you're doing. You're living on a rock. He's got, <laughs> he's got 1.6 million followers. What is the problem he solves? Knee pain. Who has knee pain? It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old, 50 years old, 100 years old, if you're male, female, it doesn't matter how much money you make. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people suffer from knee pain. It doesn't matter what you, um, who you are, it's the problem you solve. And when you show up on social media and you become the obvious solution for that problem, then people just think of you automatically. And so that's what we want with our marketing. So I want you to just think about yourself, right? Knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick had knee pain. And he was told by the doctors that he would never be able to like walk again or, or his knees would never function properly. And of course he completely changed that. So he's his, he's the evolved version of his niche. So think about a version of yourself in the past, whoever it could have been, right? And there's many versions of myself I could have, I could think of, but pick one and, and that's the, and what do they really want? People have blinders on, right? So we'll keep using the knee pain example. 
Ben Patrick is a personal trainer. He could help you grow your chest. He could help you with nutrition. He can help you with all sorts of stuff to live a healthy lifestyle. Does he talk about all of that on his social media? No, he doesn't. Maybe 30% of the time he'll drop some other nutrition tips or, you know, chest workout, but 70% of his content is about solving knee pain. So that when somebody who follows him experiences knee pain in their real life, their first thought isn't, Hmm, my knee pain hurts so much. I need to look up a physio in my area or maybe a physical therapist online or a personal trainer. I don't want that to be their first thought. Their first thought is going to be, I need to just hire Ben Patrick. I need to hire a knees over toes guy, right? So that's what I want for you. But so often with personal training, we try to talk about everything, everything that we know, right? Cause that's what we were told from the gurus in the past. And when social media was kind of growing up was like, give away all your information and people will come flocking to you. That was, that would work when you were the only coach, right? On social media, but that's not true anymore. We're not the only people. There's so many people out there. So if you're talking about everything under the sun, you're just blending in compared to getting yourself really well known for one thing. And then people experiencing that pain in life and they go, all right, you know what? I just need to hire Matt. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, it kind of reminds me, so I know knees over toes guy, he's, you know, so well known for like the knee and, uh, the knees and knee pain. And I have a financial planner friend who recently texted me and I, I you know, kind of the fitness guy in this group. And he's like, Hey, uh, my girlfriend just decided to do an all carnivore diet. Do you know this like carnivore guy? <laughs> and, and right. Cause that's a niche as well, right? Like some people yeah. get really hung up on, you know, the carnivore diet or the vegan or vegan or uh keto or whatever it is like those are niches as well um and i was and i knew right away though because he just said it was a a, a doctor who like talks about eating only meat is what he mm. actually said i was, was like a oh, carnivore I md like exactly i was like i know he picks up kale about. and he's like this is bullshit yeah. this is bullshit I was, like, I was like it's either liver king or this guy <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and uh and once he said it was a doctor i said i know exactly what you're talking about i couldn't think of the guy's name other than i knew him as carnivore md and yeah. uh, I do forget his actual real name. I looked it up. It might be Paul or something like that. Um, but, you know, and so it just remind me of like, you know, I knew exactly who he was talking about with very little description where if you like hear knee pain, you know, you, you immediately think that, you know, knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick. Right. So I'm curious, like, so what, what is your niche then? What, when, when people, what do people hear and they think of, of Matthew? Yeah. So, you know, there's something that I really help my clients with, and then I've been shifting into it myself um, or not, not shifting into it. I've been doing it, but shifting what I want to be known for, right? Asking yourself like, what do I want to be known for? And it doesn't have to remain the same thing for the rest of your life. And if Ben Patrick wanted to move on and not be the knee guy, like good for him, right? We're all evolving humans. Um, for me though, it's been really leaning into your four figure offer. So that, right? So the idea is that when a personal trainer, a wellness coach makes another sale for monthly programming and it's a hundred bucks a month and like, yeah, I made a sale. Good. Celebrate yourself. I hope you do. But then they go, fuck, but it's only a hundred bucks a month right now. I'm making 2,100 a month. It's still not enough. Or on the, on the flip end, on the other side, a monthly client coaches or <laughs> cancels, right? Monthly client that you were charging hundred bucks for programming cancels because they weren't fully committed and you knew they were going to cancel. And every morning you're waking up going like, Oh, Mike, is Mike going to quit? I'm going to get that email from Mike. Cause he didn't do another workout. 
right? He's mm. going to cancel and I'm going to be a hundred dollars out. Right. And then he cancels and then you go, fuck, like I need, I need to, I need another way to do this. Wouldn't it be amazing if I could sell my, sell an offer for two grand. Right. And that's what I want you thinking of me when those moments happen. And you see that moment is also very specific. So sharing a piece of content where I could like be laying in bed, I'll probably have to make this piece of content laying in bed, <laughs> right. And going, Mike is going to quit. Jen's going to quit any day now because they're not doing like they didn't do another workout and I'm going to be out 200 bucks a month. Right? Fuck. I wish there was something different, right? That would be my content. Wouldn't, wouldn't even say that I have the solution or anything. Just make mm -hmm. the content showing that I know your pain so well. So then again, right. When you experience that pain in real life, when a client actually cancels or you're laying in bed, wondering if another client's going to cancel that you think of me. So it would mm, be, that's interesting. Yeah. I like the way you framed that, you know, that like, you know, I'm not even going to sell anything. I'm just going to let you know, I, I know your pain. I feel it. Like I know exactly mm -hmm. the pain you're in. Uh, mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And getting, I think people are so afraid to get specific online, but again, you're the evolved version of your niche. Your niche is you two, three, five, ten 10 years ago. So you've experienced some stuff. You've experienced that exact pain. Tell that story specifically get into the details but people are so afraid that oh, if i get specific it's not going to resonate with people I, I, but i can help so many people right i want to talk to everyone because i can help everyone with their fitness or or lose 10 pounds or whatever but your general content isn't landing it's not hitting a pain point but when we think about i'll give you two examples we think about your just what's your favorite movie oh god um, hopefully i know it <laughs> yeah i'm not a big movie person. To anything of, top 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 of mind? Uh geez. I just watched the new uh Top Gun. We'll just go with that. Okay, great. Yeah. I hadn't seen the new one, but I know Top Gun, right? Uh you're not I had to watch Tom... the old one just so I knew what I was <laughs> getting into on the, the yeah, new one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so I don't know it as well. Uh it's been so long since I even saw the original. Um, but like, yeah, you're not Tom Cruise, you're not this like crazy hero saving the world. Or I'll just give you my, my typical example, right? Lion King, who doesn't love Lion King, <laughs> right? Everyone loves Lion King, but you're not, okay, fine. But most people love Lion King, <laughs> but you're not a little cub in Africa whose dad was murdered by their evil uncle. And now you have an ex existential crisis about being the king of the jungle. Like that is not our life. But a lot of us love that movie, right? One of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption. Mm, that's right? a good one. I, I didn't go, I wasn't sentenced to life in jail after wrongly accused of murdering my uh, wife and her mistress and then meeting, you know, a wise old, whatever. Like that's not my story, escaping from jail. But I love that movie. Why? Because we find ourselves in these stories. We, that's how our brain works. Stories have been the foundation of humans since we could talk. That's what's helped us evolve. All right. And so it's a foundational part of how we are as humans. And you really hit that subconscious mind where it goes like, okay, even though, you know, I'm not sentenced to jail, this like get busy living or get busy dying. Fuck yeah. I love that motto or the lion King, right? Yes. I sometimes doubt if I can be the leader I want to be, or maybe you found two friends in your life who tell you, it, you know, sing you a song that it means no worries. <laughs> or maybe you find the wise old baboon who is your mentor, right? We find ourselves in these stories. And that's what your audience is going to do. But by telling a story, by getting specific, it pulls people into that emotion. 
and they'll go, oh, wow, yes, like I totally understand what he's talking about. Mm, my situation is a little different, but I totally get it, right? That's what really draws people in. And yeah, the people who don't get it, it's good. We, we don't care about those people. We're not there to help those people. There's plenty of younger versions of you that we can help. You know, I once heard something. It was like, um, you know, just because someone's problem isn't as bad as your problem doesn't mean it's not the worst problem they've had. You know, something along the lines of that, right? So, like, to your point, yeah, they're, you know, they're not Simba and Lion King. Like, they don't have this existential crisis. But whatever they are struggling with, whatever problem they do have, uh, to them, it could be the biggest problem they've ever had, right? So it could feel that way, even though even you personally may have, you know, experienced something even greater uh, to them, like this is the greatest problem they've ever had. And so kind of you have to relate to them and meet them where they are um, and just realize that, you know, yeah, it might not be that in the world, but to them, it could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Right. The, stick on the Lion King example, like he ran away from home. Right. And then had that incident with the hyenas or whatever. I think that was early on. Um, but we've all had those moments where it's just like, oh, I just want to escape. I just want to like, oh, you know, like run away. And maybe you didn't run away, but you can see that through Simba running away. Right. It's such a great story because it really is that hero's journey that, I mean, if you know about the hero's journey, it's the foundation of like every movie and every great story. But mm -hmm. right? we all have that. So sharing even right, sharing your story in that hero's journey kind of sense. So people can follow along with that, right? That's why that's the foundation of the hero's journey because we've all had that calling for more. And then we've had that deep struggle, that deep pain that pushes us to overcome it. And then we get on the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm actually reading Expert Secrets right now, and I just read mm. the chapter this morning on the hero's journey and they use Lion King as a third sample. No, uh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be able to keep up with the Lion King examples, <laughs> but no, this is really cool. And, um, you know, I want to start wrapping it up. So I want you to tell people, uh, you know, where can they learn more about, you know, the four figure offer and where you're teaching this. And then, you know, I want to hit you with a couple of the last questions that I ask everyone. Yeah. So definitely, uh, please connect with me on Instagram, Matthew dot Allen, it's Allen with a Y. Um, sure. It'll be in the show notes, right? Uh, connect, connect with me there. If you follow me, reach out, let's have a conversation. Uh, you know, there's no pressure to sell you anything. I just really want to help. And if you really want that deeper help, you can go to my podcast. It's powerful online leadership. And that just obviously allows me to dive in a little bit deeper, uh, into these topics, really giving you takeaways to how you can implement it with your coaching and start making progress and charging more money and changing more lives. Cool, man. All right. So a couple questions to ask everyone. Uh, what is the most irrational or emotional thing you've done with money? Um, yeah. So you did preempt me with this question and I've been thinking about it. Um, there's probably a lot of examples to give, but the one that first comes to mind is probably um, buying an NFT. More, more oh, recently. nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, uh, love Gary V. Big fan of his. Uh, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I've even two. So he had a series one, which are all like minimum 40K. Um, so it was like, I've done my research. I understand NFTs and I understand his stance behind mm -hmm. them. And I do believe in him. So I, I did my homework. So maybe not super irrational, but it was kind of like, I could do a lot of other things with a thousand bucks. But for me, this was just like, I want to be part of this world. So 
bought a V Friends too. <laughs> that was gonna be my question. How much you pay for it? So uh, you know, the cool thing, we're not gonna get too in depth on an NFT here. Um, you know, you could do a whole series of episodes on that. But yeah. um the one cool thing about the V Friends is usually they come with some type of benefit, right? Like did the one you mm -hmm. buy have you know, I know like the really like some of the really high cost ones, but like, you know, one on one meeting with Gary or like dinner with Gary and his family or something like that. Like did yours come with any any sort of benefit on that end? Yeah, so the, the fun part about the NFTs is like you just buy one and you get what you get, right? In the oh, you don't know what you're getting? Yeah, when you, when you mint it, so that's what's calling like before the yeah. release, you mint it, uh, you don't know what you're getting. But then in the aftermarket, mm -hmm. then yeah, there are, there are better ones with, if they have a different background or a different animal, um, they'll have those better benefits. So mine was a meticulous magpie uh, and the scene was like a, a hotel behind him. So they haven't released anything yet, but yeah, everything like there's people, there's animals that are on like a pickleball court. So anyone who has a pickleball court, uh, gets tickets to like these pickleball events. Um, so I don't know what the benefit that comes with mine is quite yet. Um, but it was kind of cool to get the meticulous magpie. It's a bird that's kind of blue, black, and white. And, uh, on all my runs here in Colorado, they're, they're beautiful birds and they fly by me all the time. And it's so funny because as summer was coming. And I was thinking about buying this NFT and then all these magpies. And I'm like, I wonder what this bird is. I, I never really looked into it. And then literally look into that bird. I'm like, oh, a magpie. And oh, here's what they're known for. And here's their symbolism. And then like a week later, I buy the NFT and I get the magpie. So I'm like, ah, this is interesting synchronicity <laughs> in my life. I don't know what it means, but I'm hoping uh, I don't want to sell it because it kind of just has that deeper meaning. Um, and also too, with NFTs, when you buy one, there's a gas price. So again, we won't go into all this stuff, yeah. but it's, it's kind of like gas in real life, right? The price of gas fluctuates when NFT, but it's like, it's like what it costs to create the transaction. And because of that, since the price, price fluctuates and the cost of the NFT, it ended up being $1,111 and 11 cents. So one, 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 and, and one. <laughs> and I got this magpie. That's something that was like kind of prevalent in my life. So just interesting. I'm like, all right, I'm holding on to this thing for a while. Uh, could sell it, could get a different one that maybe I like better, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> cool. And then I want to flip it. So what's one financial question you would ask me as a financial planner? Uh, I, I'm actually curious for you, what has been the best investment you've ever made? Oh, myself. That's easy. Um, when I decided to launch my own firm uh, a couple of years ago, other than that, they're all boring investments, you know, just your traditional, you know, 401k, Roth, stuff like that. So uh, it's 100% myself and, and education, um, not in the traditional sense, because I have a sports, yeah. sports management undergrad. So I wouldn't say that would be the best one. Uh, <laughs> but just, you know, like books and, and courses and, and um, a lot of the self-taught material since launching the firm. A lot of it's on the marketing side, but yeah, 100% best investment. And I say that cautiously because I sometimes think business coaches overemphasize the whole like invest in yourself as like sales pitch just on their program. Yeah. Um, and so I say that cautiously, but you know, it, it is hard to to beat a return on on investing in yourself. Yeah. Is there anyone that sticks out? Uh, like a specific course or something? Yeah. Is there a course or like the best book or? Um... I really like the, and this is probably a, um, a recency bias, but I've been really liking the Russell Brunson books. So Traffic Secrets, Expert Secrets. Uh, I haven't read .com Secrets yet. So if you're in any sort of um, 
coaching business, any sort of business at all where you need to market and understand how to get people into your funnels and, you know, create offers and value, et cetera. Like, I think that's a really, really high value investment. I mean, the books are only like under 20 bucks each. So you can get all three books for probably 60 bucks. And it, I mean, God, I imagine you could turn that into an extreme return if you really take it, do the exercises in the book and put it into practice. And then, uh, you know, I've never really measured like what the return is, but if someone actually did that, I imagine you could really crush the returns on that. I love that. I, I actually got, I think it's traffic secrets and I only got 10 pages in. It was, uh, just pay for shipping type of deal. So yeah, yeah, it, was yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was like six, seven bucks. Um, and it was just at a time in my life where I was doing all this other stuff. So I kind of put it down because I wanted to read it and be able to take action. So I'll probably mm-hmm. have to revisit that. But but yeah, I love that, right? 20 bucks. And even if you get one client from the stuff he teaches and you sell, you know, if it's a $100 offer, mm-hmm. right? That's a huge return on investment. Absolutely. So of course, you being the money absolutely. guy goes right to the, the return on investment, which I love. And yeah, yeah I think no, that's a great, absolutely. great answer. And I, you know, it's funny, actually, I got Traffic Secrets, but it was an audio book. I got it last summer. And I just, you know, kind of to your point, I wasn't... Uh, it wasn't the right time for me to read it. There's another financial advisor I know who says this a lot. It's like, uh, he'll buy a book. He'll read like 10 pages. It's just not for him, but he'll come back to it in a couple of years and he'll like, he'll devour it in like a day. And, and the reason is, is it just wasn't the right time. He wasn't the right person yet to read that book. And it was, it, so he wasn't reading at the right time. And so I had the audio book of Traffic Secrets. And then I was like, you know, I really need this. Like I need the book. Like I need it. And then I ordered expert secrets, to be honest with you, accidentally, because I meant to order traffic secrets. <laughs> so that's how I found myself reading the other one. And it's been it's been much more helpful to actually, you know, have a hard copy and then read it, stop, do the exercises, actually follow through on what he's recommending, um, mm-hmm. and then and then go back to reading it. Whereas the audiobook, it would just like I just get drowned out. I get distracted a lot with audiobooks. Um, yeah. they're great for drives and stuff like that, but if it's a really actionable book. I'm more, I'd rather listen to like a story, like a documentary story on audiobook than to actually like, all right, here now let's like create some marketing from this. So that would be my yeah. answer. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. I, I actually just downloaded audiobook, uh, Buddha and the Badass, which is cool. I don't even know how I found it. I just, I think it was on my list forever. And I was like, let me just mm-hmm. listen to this. And, uh, there's a lot of actual steps and it's like, shoot, like I should just buy this book yeah. because I want to. I want to take action on it. And yeah, you just don't, or like, I'll go back to it, but you never go back to it. And never do. And what are you going to do? Like rewind? Like, I mean, you know, you can't like flip back yeah. to the page. So, right. Cool. Yeah. Anything, awesome. anything self-help and stuff. I love taking notes and highlighting. Yeah. I'm the same way. You know, I still like physical books, you know, I'll get a Kindle if it's like, I need it right now. I just want to dive into it, but I love having the hard copy book. So Matthew, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your journey with us. Um, everyone can find you online. And I uh, just appreciate you taking the time to hop on. Yeah, thanks, Justin. This was awesome. I love the work you're doing for the fitness pros. Much needed. Appreciate that. Did you enjoy the show? If so, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review. And if you are interested in learning more, you can subscribe to the Monthly Assist, a newsletter where I share more information for fitness entrepreneurs and millennials. You can find the link in the show notes or you can access the link in my Instagram bio at Justin Green FP. Until next time, keep growing, my friends.